0: Today we begin a new series of messages called I Choose, and it'll take us through a couple of months, but I want to talk a little bit this morning as we enter this, talk about choosing to start with. And so let's begin when choices were a little more limited. There was a time, some of you remember, when phones looked like this. For some of you, if you're teenagers, you're wondering, what is that and what do you do with it, Okay. That's that's not that doesn't look like my phone, and um, what was really bad is when you you had a, a a girlfriend that you wanted to call, and her telephone number had like sevens, eights, and nines in it. Yeah, you know I mean, because you had to go all the way around the dial. So some of you some of you remember phones like this. Okay, when back early on when we got phones like this, this was actually an advancement. But early on, when you got a phone from the phone company, you had two choices. Either you got it or you didn't. Okay, you didn't have lots of color choices. You didn't have style choices. You didn't really have any choices. You just got a, The only decision was, do I get a phone or not get a phone? There was a time when cars looked like this. The old Ford Model T. And it's reported that Henry Ford said any customer can have a car painted any color he wants... As long as it's black. Now, to be fair, the Ford Motor Company did produce other colored Model Ts, but they came out with a fast drying paint, and the only color it was available in was black. And so it began this aspect of you can get it as long as it's black. In other words, a time of, of very limited choices, that time is now past. You and I live in a time of nearly infinite choices, and not just with cars. And with phones, I took a trip down our local Ingalls grocery aisle and I counted 241 different cereals. That doesn't include sizes of cereals, you know, so if the fruit loops in a small box or medium box or big box, this is 241 different kinds of cereal that were available. I didn't count oatmeal. I didn't count grits. I didn't count granola or cereal bars. These are just boxes of cereal. And they were wondering, what is that man doing pacing up and down the cereal aisle? And so then I went to something that I knew would be a little more more small. But but this actually fascinated me. There were 35 different pancake syrups. Why do you need 35 different? pancake syrups and I didn't count molasses and I didn't count karo syrup I'm just talking about pancake syrup 35 different kinds there and then I went over to the ice cream aisle but I didn't linger because I didn't want to fall into sin <laughs> but if you were, so I didn't try to count them but half the aisle are choices that you can make on ice cream Now, when you take a look at this, I'm I'm not complaining about it. I'm not knocking this at all. Because quite frankly, if the choice were more limited, then what I want might not be on the shelf. I just, I'm bringing this to you as a way to, to show you in a very tangible way, a way that you can see on a regular basis exactly the number of choices that we have now in life. It's almost bewildering the number of choices that we have. Some of those choices matter very little. Some of those choices matter a lot. But the choice we want to talk about today matters both now and for eternity. Jesus made it clear in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. When Jesus called men, women, to follow him he never promised them an easy pain-free path in fact it was just the opposite these words don't let these things just roll off your back okay don't don't just let them go in one ear and out the other this is a pretty serious call on the part of jesus to people who want to follow him if you're going to come after me jesus said If you're going to come, then let me tell you what it involves. It involves self-denial. That means what I want, the path that I would choose. I'm going to give that up and deny myself that in order to follow Jesus. It means bearing a cross. And if you in Jesus' time were to see a, a man carrying a cross down the road he wasn't doing it just for attention. He wasn't doing it just so, you know, to make some kind of a statement. Okay. Here's the statement that was being made. I'm going to die. And because that's what a cross was for. And so when you, when Jesus says, take up your cross daily, he's literally saying, die to yourself daily. Now, this would probably not be in chapter one of how to win friends and influence people. Self-denial and cross-bearing. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus came and offered to those who wanted to come after him. You see, following Jesus is more than just repeating a prayer and being dunked under the water and having your name put on the church roll. Following Jesus is complete and utter surrender of your life and your will to him and trusting him even when it's not comfortable and even when he leads you to places that quite frankly other people might laugh or scoff at you for going we've recently seen this Uh, if you've been paying attention to the news at all you know about the two medical missionaries the doctor Kent Brantley and the nurse Nancy Reitboll, who went to a place where people like Donald Trump and Ann Coulter have said they shouldn't have gone to minister to people with Ebola. Now, when we hear that exotic sounding disease, listen, Ebola is nothing, nothing short of a death sentence for most. And yet they went there to minister to them. And there are people right now who are absolutely flabbergasted that they would go and put themselves in harm's way and take their families to a country where their families are at risk for the cause of Christ. Some people call them heroes. Some people call them idiots. I'm on the hero side. Because when Jesus calls you to go somewhere, when Jesus calls you to do something, when Jesus lays a mission on your heart, then to do anything less is disobedience. Even if it's dangerous. We, take, we have moderate danger. When, when we go to Dominican Republic, the danger is not so great. I mean, yes, you could, you could contract something, a mosquito-borne virus, there's those kinds of things. There is active voodoo down there, active witchcraft down there. And yes, there have been people who have who've, who've been killed uh, because they opposed those things. But for the most part, we're relatively safe. Our, our call to go to, to work in the Dominican Republic is, is not that, that huge a sacrifice. But we have living examples today of people who put it all on the line in order to answer the call of Jesus on their lives. Today, my challenge to you is to choose. Choose to follow Jesus. Make that choice today. Now, you, you may have been a believer for decades, but I'm asking you today, are you following Jesus? You may never have made A faith decision and taking that leap of faith to embrace jesus as savior but today i'm asking you to seriously give consideration to what it means to follow jesus and then to follow him now some of you have a firm grasp on the scriptures and and when when i say choose to follow jesus you might say but pastor uh, didn't jesus say in john chapter 15 you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Yes, he did say that. Absolutely. But Jesus wasn't saying that you have no choice in the matter. He wasn't saying that you are a puppet dancing on a string, that you're a a robot just going through the motions. In fact, the scriptures make it very, very clear that you and I and every person on this earth are responsible for what we do with Jesus Christ. We are responsible Or how we respond to the call of Christ in our lives. What it's saying here is that before we chose Jesus, he chose us. That should give some of you a renewed sense of purpose and meaning in life. That Jesus would choose you. And yes, he knew all about your secrets. He knew everything in your past. And He even knew the things that would get you in the future. And he still chose you. He chose you before you chose him. And he chose you for a reason. And this this is awesome. He chose you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that'll last. In other words, he chose you so that your life would make a lasting difference in this world as you worked for his kingdom. Just as he chose Kent Brantley. Just as he chose Nancy Whitebowl to go. And to put themselves literally in harm's way in order to do the work of the kingdom. To take the love and the message of Christ to a people who desperately, desperately needed it. You've been chosen to pray and to bear fruit that will last. Now, let's consider how Jesus called his disciples by pulling in a couple of examples. The first is in Matthew chapter 4. It says as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, called uh, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. They were hard-working Jewish men who put it all on the line to catch fish. Okay, y'all didn't get that. Put it all on the line to catch, never mind. Okay, all right. Washy should have gotten that one. Did you get that one, Washy? All right, okay, good. Literally, they went out putting their lives at risk out on the open seas where storms can rage at any time to catch fish to provide for their families and to sell to, to provide extra. This was their livelihood. And then along comes this guy named Jesus, whom they had previously encountered through the ministry of John the Baptist, He comes along with a very simple message to them. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. You spent your lives and you intended to fully spend the rest of your life out on the open seas catching fish. I've got a different mission for you. And that mission is to go out and to catch men and women and boys and girls for the kingdom. That's the mission I'm giving you. Come follow me. And they followed. As did James and John. They left the security. They left their family. They left their livelihood. They left everything that they knew in order to go after this guy who came with power and authority and might be the Messiah to follow after him. They left everything in order to fish for people. Now, there's another incident that occurs in Luke chapter 5 that we want to look at. Uh, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. The Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners and Jesus answered them and said it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick I've come to call the righteous not the, not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance now Levi is an interesting guy we also know him by Matthew Levi was likely his given name and with a name like that the odds are pretty good that he belonged to the levites those were the priests you can imagine having a son and and thinking okay he's going to grow up and he's going to go into the priesthood and then he turns out to be a tax collector well in that time being a tax collector was far less glamorous than it is now to be a tax collector meant you worked for the hated roman government you worked for the enemy, you worked for the occupiers. And not only did you work for them, but it was customary that you take a little extra for yourself to pad your own wallet in the process of collecting taxes from other people. And so not only did he work for the enemy, he also stole from his own people in order to live a better life. This is a guy He is not glamorous. He has very little to offer on the surface in following Jesus. And yet Jesus comes by his tax collector booth. He sees Levi and he says, follow me. And Levi left it behind. Cut the strings with his past in order to follow Jesus. I say cut with the strings with his past. He didn't didn't completely sever them all together because we notice here that he threw a party. He invited all his friends, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the people that he caroused with on a regular basis. He invited them to a party to meet Jesus. And so I guess Peter, Andrew, James, and John were called to be fishers of men. I guess Levi was called to be a partier for people. You know, he brought them in because he wanted them to discover what he had found, that there was acceptance in christ even when he was rejected by everyone else maybe even including his own family there was acceptance in christ we're chosen by jesus and we are appointed to bear fruit and our methods are going to differ just like they would for peter andrew james and john and for levi our methods are going to differ the people that we interact with it's going to be different but we're doing the very same thing that they did. That's our call in order to bring people into the presence of Jesus so that their lives might begin a transformation just like ours have. Now, not everyone that Jesus called came. So let's take a look at that because that's interesting. In Luke chapter 9, there are three instances here, and we want to spend a little time on this. It says in Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, what we need to understand is by this time in Luke's gospel, Jesus' popularity is growing and the crowds are swelling. And so people are beginning to to wonder who this guy is and and what what this is about being the Messiah. And they had these visions in their mind, perhaps, of who Jesus would be, a king like David, a prophet like Moses. And so they began to crowd around him. And and, and it would be interesting, you know, just, hey, do you want to come sign up to follow Jesus? Sure, that sounds great. I want to be part of this movement that's taking place. And so what we see here would not be unusual. Man number one comes up with this bold declaration lord i'll follow you wherever you go man how how awesome is that man what a commitment well actually a commitment is more than what you say a commitment has to do with how you follow through i will follow you wherever you go now i'm not exactly sure what he was expecting but the answer Jesus gave him was probably not it. Basically, dude, you didn't understand. I didn't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. Are you, you sure you want to follow me wherever I go? Maybe you're expecting that I'm heading to the palace. Maybe you're expecting a cushy bed and fine food and, and more wine than you could drink in a lifetime. Maybe that's what you're expecting when you're coming after me. So so let me make it clear. I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. I don't have a bed that I'm going to, let alone a palace. Sure you want to follow? If it means roughing it, are you sure you want to come? Now, neither Matthew nor Luke, who record this encounter gives us the end result of that but we can pretty well guess that the guy would have slinked off into the crowd with kind of a never mind never mind i want to tell you as a pastor of course the last 25 years i cannot tell you how many people who've come to jesus just like this they get on an emotional high they get deeply convicted, and they come forward, and they, oh, "I'll follow Jesus wherever He wants me to go." And about six months later, as the elders are praying through our list of members, regular attenders, you go, "Hey, whatever happened to so and so? Have you seen them lately? They're nowhere to be found." It's not just about making a verbal commitment. It's about actually committing, actually following through. Remember, when you set out to follow Jesus, you're willing to go wherever He calls you to go, to do whatever He calls you to do, and to say what it is, whatever He's calling you to say. When you follow Jesus, you don't set the ground rules, He does it's not about your kingdom it's about his now the second man doesn't initiate the call he's more in the boat with james andrew peter you know john with that group okay he's more there in other words jesus comes to him and says hey you you follow me the man responded to the invitation lord let me uh let me first go and let let me bury my father That seems like a reasonable request, doesn't it? I mean, my dad's funeral's tomorrow. Let me go and be there for the family. And when that's done, I'll I'll come and I'll follow you. Now, I've heard a number of interpretations of this over the course of time. Probably the most one that I look at and go, oh, that's the most palatable. I like that one best is that the guy's father was not dead at all, but that he was getting older and this guy was due his inheritance And therefore, he wanted to hang around until his father died and he buried him. And he got his inheritance, got his security. And then he said, then I'll come and follow Jesus. And that may well be exactly what the guy is saying, except Jesus' answer doesn't exactly lend itself to that. Let the dead bury the dead. Let those who are spiritually dead do that. I've got a different call in your life to go and to proclaim the kingdom of God of God. And when we read that, we don't like that. I mean, it seems that Jesus is, he just doesn't have any compassion here. I mean, some of you sitting here have lost your father. Your father's died. And and if you put yourself in this guy's shoes and you hear the call of Jesus, you go, man, that sounds kind of harsh. What are you saying, Jesus? What, What are you trying to get through here? actually it's pretty simple what jesus is saying is the kingdom of god must be the primary priority in the life of anyone who would follow him wasn't that jesus was uncaring or that he lacked compassion he simply knew that the time was short and that the souls of the living were hanging in the balance. Jesus didn't tell everybody to do this, but he did call this man to do this, to walk away from that responsibility in order to follow him. When you set out to follow Jesus, you're willing to allow his priorities to override all other priorities. Now, the third man, he's another volunteer but he's not quite as bold as the first guy. He may have learned by listening to the first guy, I do not want to come up there and say, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever, because then I may have to slink off into the crowd myself. And so he comes up, and what he says instead is, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, sounds like a very reasonable request. Let me go kiss mama goodbye, give dad, you know, a man hug, and then I'll come and catch up with you. And again we read Jesus response and we go wow that sounds kind of harsh. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now again be easy to explain this one. A softer interpretation would be and I've heard this that uh, when a person a Jewish man was going away to start a new life somewhere that the family would throw a perhaps a week-long party, invite all his friends, there'll be lots of food, lots of beverages, lots of fun, and so the guy may have been saying, "Uh, Jesus, let me go back and have my party first, and then I'll come and follow you. Could that be what he's saying? Absolutely. But a simpler explanation, although one we don't like as well, is that Jesus is saying, following me should be the primary motivator of your life. Following me should be the primary relationship of your life. When you set out to follow Jesus, you are choosing him above all others. Let me put a little asterisk right here. Because having served as pastor for quite a while, I've seen a lot of girls and women we're desperate to find a man to fill what they feel is a void in their lives and it's okay because god created us with that desire for that companionship we, i mean that, that's okay but I, I, let me just give you a word of advice for anybody who's looking okay make sure that man loves you loves jesus more than he loves you if it's the other way around, make sure that woman loves Jesus more than they love you. That's what's most critical. That, that, that relationship with Christ is our primary relationship and overrides all the others. Now, you go, but, but hang on. I, can, I don't have to leave my family in order to follow Jesus. And that may well be true. But you're living in the United States in the 21st century. Suppose you were living in Afghanistan or Iraq suppose you were living in North Korea or in China to make the choice to follow Jesus would likely mean that your family would reject you that your friends would reject you and in some cases that you'd end up in jail or even worse I think part of our problem when we read these passages is we have been raised, most of us, in the Bible belt or at least in a country where there is relative freedom of religion. And therefore, we don't understand this huge step in following Jesus. For us, it's almost a cultural kind of thing. But in Jesus' time and in many places around the world, it is utterly counter cultural to follow jesus means you take a step into danger you take a step out of security you put yourself your family at risk in order to follow jesus and i am not sure that in the united states of america if that's what it meant to follow jesus that a tenth of the people would show up on sunday morning to worship If it actually cost us, would we still choose to follow? And if these verses tell you anything, it's going to cost something in order to follow Jesus. Now, following Jesus doesn't mean you devalue your family. But it does mean that you rightly value Jesus, that he becomes primary. Now, if I had my choice, I'd rather have the interpretation of the first, the second guy was, he was in it for his inheritance and security. And the third guy, uh, he was in it for the party. And therefore, that's how they made their choice. I'd rather that be the correct interpretation. And maybe it is But to be honest, are Jesus' responses to either of those two men any more bold than his call to deny self and to take up your cross daily? That's pretty bold. And it's a call to a different level of discipleship than most of us may ever know. Many of you accepted the call to follow Jesus long time ago some of you have done that faithfully for year after year after year some of you sitting here are struggling you've accepted christ but it's a daily thing to continue to surrender more and more and more to his lordship to bring more and more under his control and have less and less in your control and some of you some of you are struggling to take that first step of faith I just want to let you know you can't pick and choose what you want of Jesus. I've never watched the entire movie, but I've watched segments of it. And some of you, it may be your favorite movie. I don't know. uh, The Will Ferrell movie, Talladega Nights. I've seen the little segment where he's praying at the dinner table, praying to baby Jesus. Okay? Um, I think that is a huge commentary on the way our culture views who Jesus is. We like the baby in the manger a lot. But the guy hanging on the cross, beaten beyond recognition, gasping for every breath, being taunted by the religious leaders, Humiliated, we look at him and go, maybe not so much. Give me the baby Jesus, but not the suffering Messiah. Give give me the Savior of the world with angels singing, but not the Lord of my life, the King hanging upon a cross. Who calls me to leave everything in order to follow Him? Jesus never sugarcoated what it meant to follow Him. He did not come with the contract that had heaven in bold print and sacrifice in small print. He never tried a bait and switch to get you to, to grab on to grab onto the Heaven Express and ignore what it meant to follow Him. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And as Jesus said so powerfully, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Jesus' invitation today is is the same as it was when he walked on the shores of Galilee. Come. Come. Follow me. Life is full of choices. What will you choose?